Gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. Hello, everyone. This is Cash Miller, the host of Marketing Masters. I'm the CEO of Titan Digital. Today, I'm talking pay-per-click marketing. We're going to get into some really great details. I've got Michelle Kopp with me. Level 28 Media, you are a pay-per-click guru. That's what I understand, right? So, Michelle, it is great to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, Cash. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Uh, so a little bit about me. I've actually spent the majority of my career back, uh, basically working for agencies, digital marketing agencies and more traditional agencies. Um, and then from there, I worked on multiple different brands like Toyota, AMPM Arco, Sage Accounting Software. And while working on those big brands uh, during the beginning and even, I guess you could even say middle of my career, <laughs> um, I, I found a love for lead generation um, and really focused on pay-per-click advertising. So that's, that's my core bread and butter um, and what I do and what I've loved over the past eight years of, of my career, really. So <clears throat> working on all these different brands, it was a really great experience. Um, and eventually left um, at the start of the pandemic um, to start my own agency, Level 28 Media. Um, so that's pretty much it. My, my company is a pay-per-click lead generation um, company, and I serve local businesses, uh, local uh, small businesses and medium-sized businesses as well. I love that you have that um, like large brand experience and because you can learn so much. The one thing like people don't understand, like when you're, we're talking pay-per-click, one of the things that matters most is budget and such. And, you know, a lot of times when you're working with a smaller medium business, they're not necessarily going to have the same kind of dollars that you can, you know, like big brands will be able to put behind it. And budget relates to data. You know, the more money we spend, the faster we learn, essentially, with pay-per-click. And you've been able to do that, though, where you worked on big budget campaigns using paid ads and such and being able to see the data roll in and make adjustments quicker, right? Yes, absolutely. So it was a lot easier back then when I had millions of dollars <laughs> worth of budget to be testing with um, at these big companies. And it was more encouraged to be doing lots of testing. But as I made the shift over to work with these smaller companies, you don't really have as much room for testing. It's really just about producing results. And you can save a little bit of budget for testing, but then there's only so much, especially if you're given like $5,000 or less per month to, to really make things happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's one of the things that's um, kind of lost with paid, you know, any kind of paid ads and such is to be able to make adjustments. We need data to work with. And essentially because it's a, you know, everything is pay per click. You know, we have to spend money to be able to get the data to begin with, to be able to make the adjustments. I, you know, when you're dealing with clients, have you seen or kind of experienced where that's like an issue, you know, just that people need to understand that, right? How do you approach that a little bit? Yeah, so that's definitely a challenge. Sometimes there's only so much that you can do with a given budget. Um, but then, you know, when it comes to sometimes when a client is like, hey, I want to get more leads, I want to start, I want something, 
I need more. Well, I'll have to say we need, we just need more budget at the end of the day. And what I'll do is I'll do like some type of forecast where I'll say, okay, well, this is, if you give me X amount more budget, this is how much more we can expect to get. Of course, with any type of paid advertising, there's really no guarantee because the market is always changing, kind of works like the stock market. Some days it goes up, some days it goes down in terms of the cost per click. There's a lot more competition. Sometimes some seasons there's going to be less. So really the only way to know is just to to have a budget and just, just to test it out. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, as we're talking about, you know, ways to, you know, really improve your ads and such, you know, understanding that budget has a role. It's not as marketers, we're not just saying spend more money because we want you to spend more money. There is actually a reason behind it. And a lot of, I think, business owners don't necessarily understand that. They just understand we're asking to spend more money. Is Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not, <laughs> a lot of them too, they don't see it as a long-term investment. And that can be the challenge too. So trying to get them to change their mindset to be in it for the long haul, to be in it for the long game and telling them, hey, doing paid advertising is going to take time. And I tell my clients anywhere from 60 to 90 days to know if this is even the right channel for mm-hmm. you. And some of them, they they say they understand, but then once the second week hits and we're not getting the best performance yet, then they start complaining and they're like, well, I did tell you that it's going to take 60 to 90 days to get dialed in. Yeah. And so that's, that kind of leads to the heart of, you know, what, uh, this episode, this show is about is we want to, you know, kind of correlate with the data. So when, when we're talking about, we need this data, what we're going to do is walk through some of the tweaks that we're making. So we're going to talk about some of the ad copy and, you know, the keywords and such, you know, and the ways we're targeting and how we're actually using that data, you know, to be able to improve the important, the, uh, improve the performance of those ads and what you get, you know, what you were saying with 60 to 90 days, why we need this time. You know, if you, you know, I like to tell clients a little bit like, Hey, if you give me $20,000, I can make all my adjustments. You know, I can do it in 30 days, but you're not going to give me $20,000. So, you know, so I need more time because I have to have it build up, you know, and from there I can start to make tweaks. So those tweaks, let's start with, um, you know, ad copy and, you know, the creative that goes into it, you know, when it comes to lead generation, because you're focused on lead generation. So if you're first starting with your ad copy, you know, if it was a brand new campaign, or even if you're making tweaks to an existing, existing campaign, what are you doing? Yeah. So the first thing that I do when I'm, let's say if we're launching a new campaign is I will research for unique value propositions. I'll talk to my clients. What makes you unique versus your, your competitors? And a lot of times I don't really get anything that unique. They'll say something like, well, I've been in business for 25 years. Okay. (laughs) Do you have a guarantee? Do you have a, I think something that will really differentiate you is having some type of offer and not an offer that a lot of other people in your industry can, uh, that, uh, offers. So I think that that's, that's key is having something that's going to look different when it comes to someone actually searching. Um, and then when they see the ad, then it's going to really pop out to them and they'll be able to see, Hey, this, this, uh, company has something unique that is going to draw me in because the goal of ad copy in the pay-per-click ad is not necessarily to generate the lead directly. It's to get you to click first. 
And then right. once you get the user to click on it, then you would then create a landing page that is designed to get people to convert into an actual lead. So landing page copy is more designed to convert the lead, but then the actual ad is meant to get someone to click and create some type of and pique someone's interest. Um, so having an offer and then also aligning the messaging in your ad copy to whatever the user is searching for. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're an orthodontist and you offer Invisalign, then you need to make sure that if someone's typing in Invisalign, then your ads say something about Invisalign, not yeah. something about um, not something that is not related to Invisalign or else they're going to be like, oh, this is not relevant to me. Um, or, you know, if it says something along the lines of like tooth implants, that's not going to be interesting. And that's because that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for Invisalign. So you need to make sure that the user intent matches up with actually what you're offering and then have a strong offer that's going to then get people to move over to the landing page. And on the landing page, you need to make sure that you have the offer there and also speak to whatever the user was searching for as well. So the I would say that there's a, a special formula when it comes to Google ads. Are you ready for it? Mm, sure. Yeah, the special magic formula is first making sure that you have pick the right keywords, then make sure that you have compelling ad copy, and then the last part is having a compelling uh, high converting landing page. So if you have all three of those in place, you're going to be set up for success with Google Ads lead generation. It sounds easy, mm -hmm. but a lot of companies and um, advertisers tend to really get tripped up on all of the different steps, but just wanted to share that. Well, you're getting all those steps to work together is the issue. And yep. so, you know, Google's got the, within the system, the quality score, right? You know, um, can you explain kind of how, because you, you started on that path, essentially, because, you know, quality score is also going to relate to what you, you know, pay on your, you know, cost per click and everything. So, and getting everything aligned helps you with that score. So kind of go down that rabbit hole just a little bit, you know, of how everything works together, that if you've got all of these things working, how it can actually save you some money, you know, or yeah. at least your cost. You yeah, know, absolutely. Play. So then when it comes to quality score, there's something called relevancy. And I, I kind of touched on this before. So you need to make sure that your ads are relevant to the keyword that the person right. is searching for. So if someone's searching for Invisalign, your ad better say Invisalign. And then from the ad the, the ad needs to also match to what's on the landing page. So there, therefore that the relevancy has to be there so that the user understands that you have an offer that they actually are looking for. Um, and then something else that's part of a uh, quality score is, you know, your, you know, your bid, right? So you need to make sure that you're being competitive enough so that people, uh, so that your market is seeing you as, you know, you're willing to even bid to even show up because right. you can set whatever you can set up a pay-per-click campaign and set everything as a penny, but you're not going to go anywhere in terms mm -hmm. of your bidding. And we'll talk about bid strategies a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but the key here is making sure that you have a competitive bid as well. Yeah. So you're getting all of these things in line. And then, of course, you know, as you see and you start getting the data back, you're seeing which pieces that you might need to tweak. You know, and so what kind of changes? So within the ad copy, what kind of changes do you end up seeing that you need? Because now ad copy, too, is interesting. 
um, in that, you know, we have a bunch of, you know, headlines and description text and stuff. It's not just write one anymore. I mean, it, Google's working with a bunch 15. of combo. Yes. Yeah. So, so what is Google really doing when you give it 15 different headlines? Yeah. So what Google's doing is it's um, it's putting it through their like system and it's rotating between the 15 different headlines to come up with the best possible combination of the 15 different headlines that you're providing it. Um, so that's pretty much like in a nutshell what it's doing. Um, and it's just finding the best uh, the best combination of ads. Unfortunately, with responsive search ads and the headlines, uh, with 15 headlines and four descriptions, you can't actually see which three headlines and uh, which three headlines are performing best and which other two uh, descriptions are performing best. You just see overall which ad performs best. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that when you're writing ad copy, there's different themes that you could focus on. So one could be more of an emotional theme. And then another one could be more of like, uh, promoting an offer type of theme. So in the case of an orthodontist, I'm going back to that because it's the easiest example. In more emotional theme would be something like, are you tired of a crooked smile? Are you tired of, you know, covering your mouth, you know, when you're going mm -hmm. out? Yeah. Like, Because that really appeals to to my emotion, especially if I'm looking for Invisalign and I want to fix a gap in my teeth or whatever. Um, and then another ad copy um, variation could be something along the lines of uh, get a $500 off your, um, your, your treatment um, and also sure. get a free consultation. So that's something that you might want to play with as you're creating different pieces of ad copy. It's just thinking about different themes and then aligning the different pieces of like different ads with those specific themes and testing out which ones work well. Well, that's good. And, you know, there's 15 of them. So Google is trying to figure out which combinations, you know, will perform best with people. So what it's trying to do is give me a bunch of options and then I'll play with them, essentially, you know, and get work them in different combos for different people doing, you know, cert doing searches. Right. Absolutely. Yes. OK, so, you know, that's why the it's really important that we want to have as many, you know, we want to do all those combinations and such, you know, because, it, Google is going to use, you know, the algorithm and such and figure out which ones are performing best. And it will start to prioritize those over the time. Do you often end up changing some of the headlines? Because I know you mentioned we can't see which ones are necessarily working better. OK, so how do you make adjustments there? So the way that I make adjustments is instead of looking directly at the headlines, I'll just look overall at which ads are performing best. Um, that's really the only way that you can really know uh, which ads are performing best and then pause out the ones that are that are lower performing and then maybe test another variation of of ads um, that align with that theme. So let's say, for example, if you're seeing that the offer, like if you're testing an emotional ad copy versus an offer piece of ad copy, but the offer one is doing well, then you can remove the emotional ad copy, keep the winning offer ad copy and put another mm. offer in there and test two different offers. One is $500 off console, uh, $500 off your treatment. Another one is maybe uh, some type of you know, free consultation or something and we'll give you something else. So it's testing the different off because you know that the offer is working and more appealing than the emotional one. So now you can test two different offers and keep continuing to test until you find your winner. 
Yeah, that's that's a good way of going about it because, like, say, as advertisers, we always want to split test, you know, stuff. We want to make sure we're running multiple ads, even though we have like fifteen headlines in each ad. So we got to, you know, if we're running two or you know whatever the number is, um, you know, you can have all these headlines you have to write, but you have each one having their own intent. You know, so like you mentioned, you have emotional ones and the other ones might be, you know, the other ad could be all price based, you know, and seeing if it's discounts or whatever and seeing which one people respond to the best. And then, of course, based on, you know, the performance of the ad as a whole, at least, even if we can't see how the headlines are doing, you know, we can eliminate ads, you know, based on what the individual one is doing. Exactly. Cool. So now let's get into keywords and such, you know, so, you know. With keywords, I mean, we can go keywords all day long. And of course, you know, we've got, you know, different ways to go about even uh, presenting the keyword in a sense, you know, where we, you know, broad match and phrase and they're making changes to it. Yeah. So how do you go about putting together, you know, a keyword strategy for a company and such, you know, to to get them off the ground? Because you can end up I've seen, you know. I say, if you're doing something where it's too broad, you're showing up for everything. And if you're too restrictive, then you're showing up for nothing. So kind of what's your approach to it? Finding a happy medium between the both, I'd say. (laughs) Um, So typically what I do in terms of like keyword research is I'll use the Google Keyword Research Planner. If I'm starting out with a brand new campaign that has no, no historical data, if I do have a campaign with historical data, then I'll know what keywords have worked and what keywords that we need to be focusing on and maybe look for new opportunities to add new keywords. But if we're starting from scratch, I would use the keyword planner in Google. It's free and it's just a great way to just get started. Um, What I like to focus on is really like lower intent based keywords. So what I mean by lower intent um, is pretty much, or I meant higher intent. So higher intent keywords. So purchase related keywords, um, keywords that show that someone's ready to actually make a decision. Um, uh, Sometimes, and it depends on the niche too, it can take a while, especially in B2B to make a decision um, on actually pulling the trigger on something, especially if it's high ticket. If you're selling anything over $1,000, you cannot expect someone to buy from you from that first from that first uh, time that they submit uh, their information, or you also can't expect someone to become a lead from the first time that they visit you. Sometimes yeah. it takes multiple times for someone to actually um, engage with you. And what I tell my clients too is not all leads are gold. So we have to also keep that in mind too, as a part of like, you know, this is the approach, but not all leads are going to lead to actual sales. So we need to set that expectation. But going back to the keywords, it's really focused on those higher intent related keywords, purchase based keywords, not necessarily um, research based. So research would be like how to or like what Mm -hmm. is, you know, this um, type of thing, because when you're looking for key, when you have keywords like that, the intent is they're just doing their high level research. They're not actually looking to actually, you know, um, you know, get uh, become a lead versus let's say, what's, uh, what's the cost of a locksmith or what's the cost of Invisalign? When someone's looking for cost, then you're getting closer or free consultation for Invisalign, orthodontist near me. Those types of keywords are showing really high intent that they're actually looking to, um, you know, 
looking for the service that you're providing. So I think that's key. And when it comes to match types, match types have changed so much over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, Google's really pushing for a broad match. um, And in fact, there's a rumor that broad match is actually going to be the only match type that's going to be available within the next couple of years, which is kind of scary. So now they're kind of putting us all in a black box in terms of the things that we can have real control over, um, which is kind of scary. Um, but right now I'm mostly using phrase and exact match. Um, but I am noticing that phrase match is looking more like broad match. So mm-hmm. if you type in, let's say, you know, if you have the keyword locksmith in phrase match, it can match you to competitors um, in mm-hmm. your area, not yeah. necessarily keywords that have the word locksmith in it. So that's where things get really tricky and you have to monitor your search query reports to make sure that you're matching um, and you're not wasting money on the wrong types of keywords, which is pretty unfortunate. Yeah. I wonder if Google's paid attention because I'm, you know, in the uh, same, I guess, uh, yeah, I follow the same thought process you do, you know, where I prefer phrase match keywords over broad match. And I'm not... I don't like using exact match unless it's something really that, you know, gets a ton of traffic, you know, like broad would be extreme amounts. So, you know, you're going to get, be able to hone it in on exact, you know, so I, you know, my preference has always been phrase match because of the, you know, certain things, you know, occasionally broad match. It really depends on the type of keyword too. You know, if it, if it is very specific, you know, if, if the keyword is so specific, then you want to, you know, you use broad match anyway, because of the fact that only so many people are going to type it in. Like we work with um, a few truck driving schools. And so you go after the term CDL, you know, and CDL is very specific. So you mm-hmm. can go for broad match keywords instead of using phrase match. But a lot of things, if you just said, you know, um, you know, something, you know, broad, like a car brand or something, you know, like, I worked with people like sold uh, paint, you know, like color match and stuff like that for repair and everything. Well, you can't just put the brand in. You've got to be very specific. So you've got to go more of a phrase match on that to be able to hone it in or you get a lot of like wasted traffic and you're wasting a lot of money. Um, I've heard that same rumor on what they're talking about, let's say with broad and phrase. Uh, You know, if they're going to go that way and, and make most things broad, that would actually bring up so the importance of negative keywords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they would actually, and they're already used a lot, but they would become even more important to, and those lists are going to get a lot longer. What do you think, you know, the role of negative keywords, you know, how do you utilize them? Yeah. I, you have to have negative keywords. If I were to say like the number one issue that I see when I audit accounts, that's the number one issue. It's they're either not using negative keywords or they don't know how to implement them correctly. So they're still getting these junk queries coming through. Um, But yeah, negative keywords are key. But then the challenge too with the negative keywords is Google has also removed a lot of the data that we can see um, that will help inform us of negative keywords to add within the search query reports. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's like probably... 40%, maybe like 60% or 70% of the the traffic in the search query reports, we can't even see um, in terms of like what we need to be, what we need to know in order to add negative keywords. So that's really unfortunate because, and Google's saying they're doing this for privacy reasons, uh, which is really concerning because we are paying for 
these ads, we should be able to see where our where we're matching to, and we should be yeah. able to have control so that we can make sure that we're not spending money in the wrong places. But it looks like there's just no, they're really limiting our level of transparency in order uh, uh, to really make the best um, optimizations for ourselves and our clients. Yeah, privacy has become like, I mean, we do a bunch of Facebook ads and of course privacy has been a total issue over there. Yeah, and it just keeps, as marketers, we want all the data we can get and we're not looking at people individually anyway. We're just, you know, we're you know, matching up to, you know, whether it's habits, you know, um, types of people and stuff like that. But we don't know the people ourselves. You know, we just know that they're in a bucket and everybody, you know, this whole bucket wants to buy running shoes and stuff. And they're all, you know, between this age and this age. And maybe I sell, you know, women's running shoes. So everything to us is just, you know, it's a collection of data. I don't know any of them individually. I don't care. You know, so. I hate it as a marketer, you're taking away data, you know, because mm-hmm. we need that to be able to make the adjustments so we can hone it in and make the ad better and more relevant to the person that actually matters. So it's a conflict. I understand the privacy from the personal standpoint, but yeah, it makes it more difficult for us. Um, let's get into uh, extensions too. So, cause we've talked ad copy and now we've talked to keywords and stuff, you know, but I always like to talk about how do you make an ad stand out, you know, Copy is one thing as we read, but visually when we're looking at search results and stuff, extensions are a great way, you know, to grab the eyeball to begin with so that then they read the ad. You know, and that's, you know, the copy will help get them to that landing page that they want. But often, you know, we have a lot of text on a search page. So how, what extensions do you like to use to get people to, you know, like I say, to grab the eyeball? Yeah, great Question. Um, so in regards to extensions, I think they recently changed the name of them to like add assets now, but essentially it's it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Google's always changing the names of everything. But I try to, what I tell clients is I just try to maximize all the extensions I possibly can. Um, my favorite ones and the most effective ones that I've seen are site link extensions. Um, so those are little links that you can add to your uh, to your actual ad to make your ads look bigger. Actually, just in general, ad extensions and ad assets allow you to take up more real estate on the search engine results page. They don't always show, you don't always have the ability, you don't have the ability actually to control when they show <laughs> and mm-hmm. which ones show, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's why I say just maximize it as much as you can. And then if you're lucky, then Google will show, you know, will show more. Um, but the site link um, extensions, call out extensions. So those are the little like snippets that you can, um, that you can call out specific unique value propositions. Um, there's another one called structured snippet extensions that allow you to promote specific uh, brands or services that you offer. Um, and then there's price extensions, price extensions. That's if you, cause some, if you're a higher ticket type of service, you might not want to put your prices. You might want to just like have the consultation. So that's going to depend. Um, and then there's, uh, image extensions. Uh, th- those are key too, uh, cause those allow you to actually get people and try to hook them in with some type of imagery, whether it's something emotional or, you know, something that is going to grab them. Um, and then one other extension that I'll mention that I'm not crazy about, but I'll still mention it's ironically lead form extensions. <laughs> so lead form extensions, I've actually found them to not be as effective. 
I'll still mention it. It's not going to hurt you to have it. So you could still put it in place, but I've actually haven't found it to be the most effective. And essentially what the lead form extensions are is when someone goes and sees your ad um, and then they see the extension, there's a little button that says, you know, submit your information here so that the user will just, it will, um, you click on the button and it will open up a form and it will have all of the fields autofilled based off of the user's Gmail account if they're logged into Gmail so that they can automatically um, submit their information. But the challenge is, and what I've seen because I've tested this out, is a lot of people, they don't want to submit their information because they haven't even seen your landing page. They yeah. don't really know much about you yet. And then that's, all of a sudden, you know, to ask for their information, that's that's a that's a big ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that one to be really interesting because on the one hand, we talk privacy and you have something that can autofill all your information, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that like, like if I'm the you know person doing it and I click that, I'm like, really, you know, so I don't think that's a great idea for Google. And then you're right. On the other end, you, you know, I don't know enough about the company you know, to know that I want to do business or be contacted by them, I might be looking into four or five companies and stuff before I make that decision. And so I don't think that they can be very effective because there's not that many people, you know, plenty of people are, are impulsive, but it depends on what they're doing. And that's not one of them, you know, when I'm searching to mm-hmm. want to, do, you know, have, here, let's have it autofill and have them contact me back. And I know nothing about these people. Yeah, that's the reason landing pages exist. That's the reason websites exist. So we go do our homework a little bit, you know, even if it's five minutes, you know, to be able to check a company out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, moving into like, you know, we started this off by talking about optimization and testing and stuff. So over that 60 and 90 day period that you're always, you know, um, advising your clients on, you know, what are you doing throughout that? What's like the total picture look like? You know, we've talked about, you know, the ads and the keywords and stuff, but kind of walk us through what's the day to day, you know, because when we're dealing with clients, we're like, yes, we're going to do ongoing optimizations, but what are we actually, what do we mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I think it looks different for a lot of clients, but just to take it back to like a 10,000 foot view, a lot of it is just um, looking at different, like how your how people are behaving against your um, against your ads, um, because I think what's interesting about Google Ads and pay per click in general is it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a way to understand people without actually uh, having to do like a real it's like a a focus group, but then you don't actually have to you know, do like a real focus group. So people don't even realize that, you know, mm-hmm. we're able to watch them and see how they're really behaving. So that's exciting. And we're able to see based off of, you know, over time, the trends of like daily trends, hourly trends, trends based off of um, devices like mobile device versus desktop trends on keywords stuff like that. So there's a lot of different optimizations that go into it. And we're talking about optimizations here. We're looking at keyword optimization. So going back to the keywords, it's adding negative keywords, seeing if any keywords that you have are actually wasting a lot of money, then you might want to turn those off. Uh, Looking at your devices, looking at your audiences, 
which audiences are performing better? Is it the 18 mm. to 24 year olds? Okay, let's put more money into them and remove the 65 plus year olds because yeah. the, those people are not necessarily you know, ready to, or these people are not converting. So it's finding ways to maximize your budget um, given the different uh, levers within Google. Um, so I can't say for like, oh, week three, we're going to be doing, you know, this. Yeah. I think yeah. it really is just like seeing what the data is telling you and then adjusting based off of that. And then coming out with like new ideas for like landing pages and new offers and, and testing new like lines of like ad copy. Um, and that's going to be that's going to be key as well. Yeah, we're using that data to look at every aspect, you know, for one, you know, like I say, if you're looking at multiple ads and you're seeing because part of it is because, you know, your business is lead generation. So you want to look at the conversions, too. You can have two ads that are performing in a similar manner as far as clicks and impressions and how much they're showing up and everything, but you have one perform better than the other in conversions. Now, that could be something that maybe you're running two different landing pages and there's something you know, because the conversion happens there, it doesn't happen off of the ad, but you have to figure these things out. So you're constantly analyzing and keywords, the same thing. You can have, you know, some keywords that are spending a lot of money, but that's where I always like, like to look, you know, with the conversion side of things, because it's, yes, it's the ad copy, but it's which keywords are actually getting things to convert and which ones are not. You can have some that are spending the most you know, money, but they don't get any conversions and you could have the lesser ones, you know, budget wise, but they get all the conversions. So where should, you know, so maybe you could get more out of them and you got to yeah. shut the other keyword off, you know, so it can be any number of things that we're looking at, you know, um, mm -hmm. across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, we're towards the end here um, to kind of like wrap everything up. You know, if you're a, an advertiser, you know, you're a company that you're thinking about going into pay-per-click and stuff, what are some of the considerations that you should take into account? You know, things to think about before you go into it, you know, and um, to make sure that you can have a successful campaign or at least the very least, you know, because we always want to set proper expectations for companies. So what would you advise that those expectations be? Great question. So number one thing is budget. Uh, if you don't have a sufficient budget, don't even waste your time. Um, and, and it's going to vary per industry. Uh, personal injury attorneys in Los Angeles are spending up to a thousand dollars a click. So if you're not, wow. yeah, if you're not willing to drop probably at least 10 to 15 K a day, then you're probably not going to be able to make it. Fine. So budget Jeez. is, yeah, budget is critical. Um, so talking to a pay-per-click expert will be able to allow you to see what a good, you know, recommendation would be, because if you just, if you're planning to start small and then just grow it into a $10,000 budget, I rarely ever see it happen. If you're completely mm -hmm. underfunded, um, yeah. you're just wasting your time. It's like driving a car on, on empty and then you're just completely <laughs> stranded in the middle of nowhere. And then you're pointing the finger at the, at the advertiser. So Please talk to a expert on, you know, figuring out what the sufficient budget should be. Um, and the sufficient budget would be based off of the average cost per click in your area, how many clicks you want to get per day, how many days you want to be on and so forth. Um, and then something else that I'm going to mention that probably not a lot of pay-per-click marketers uh, will be willing to mention, but I'm going to say this anyway, in terms of proper uh, expectation setting is that 
in terms of like to be set up for success, you need to have your operations in place. So this is outside of, you know, the ads because you can pay, you can pay the most prestige uh, pay-per-click marketer in the, in the world to get you the best possible results. But things are going to fall flat if your front desk person or your salesperson doesn't know how to sell. If you don't have a good C, uh, a good CRM system um, and you're not tracking things, things are going to fall apart really fast. And right. then you're going to end up being disgruntled and you're not going to want to do advertising anymore because you don't have the right processes in place. And the challenge with that is a lot of times once... Um, once we start running ads and we discover that, hey, a client's uh, operations is not really like that as dialed in as they thought they were, then they just say, hey, we got to pause because we don't, <laughs> we're not seeing a return on investment. Um, and, you know, it's because a lot of times they don't want to admit that it's because their front desk person isn't doing the best job at answering the phone or closing, but it's definitely like the number one like pain point. From any pay-per-click marketer standpoint, it's, you know, the f- operations isn't doing in the business isn't really doing the best job and things just fall apart, you know, once you get them the lead. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is a lot of people, you know, pay-per-click is an expensive investment. It can pay off really well, but a lot of people are not necessarily prepared for that yeah, and I've had other conversations where it's marketing and sales alignment. You know, you as the pay-per-click you know specialist could do, you know, a you know outstanding job. You're driving leads, but then they're not prepared on the other end. And then they, what they do is they blame the marketing side as not doing its job when it was really they didn't know how to how to actually handle what you were bringing them. And yeah. a lot of people like say they don't understand that. So you know, as a company, you want to prepare yourself for that, especially depending on, you know, what you're going to spend. And yes, your budget matters. And most people, you're right. I've never seen, you know, that they, once in a while, you'll see a company that actually understands and does scale it. Right. But a lot of people, they leave it at the same thing forever. Even if you talk to them about spending more, cause you know, it's been successful and such, but they don't. And that could be a matter of organization. They're not really trying to grow. They're trying to stay steady in what they're getting and we're not, you know, everybody's got their, you know, different motivations and such. But, and I, and one of the things too, like a final tip I would offer when it comes to pay-per-click, and I always like to offer this up when it comes, you know, in a comparison to SEO. Um, when you're doing SEO, you, it, that is about owning your local market, wherever you're actually in. Okay. Um, I am in a spot that's uh, south of Nashville and LA would be the, uh, very same way. Uh, pay-per-click has a lot of reach. LA is not just LA. You, you know, it's made up of a bunch of different, you know, cities essentially, you know, that we think of it as LA, but it, you know, you have different parts of it, right? So when you're doing SEO, you can SEO for a specific area. Pay-per-click is about being able to reach all of those areas wherever you want to travel. So if you're a service company or something, you know, pay-per-click is about having more of a reach if you're willing to go there. You know, if you're a service business or, you know, e-commerce because you can get into, you know, you can target a lot, you know, all of your products. SEO Mm -hmm. is a long-term, you know, game. Pay-per-click can have a quicker benefit, but it's going to be a totally different investment. You have to understand that. Exactly. So, Michelle, it's been great. How would everybody get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can actually uh, reach out to me on my website, level28media.com. 
You can also find my LinkedIn. If you just go to LinkedIn and you type in my Michelle and then my last name is spelled K-O-P. And then lastly, you can also just go uh, and send me an email at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at level28media.com. Okay. Well, this has been a great conversation. You know, pay-per-click is one of those things that a lot of uh, companies can really take advantage of. It's been a pleasure, you know, having you on. Um, you are, you definitely know your subject. Thank you so much.